A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Josh Brown, I have no planned introduction anymore. I think I just grab you, I point the lens, I point the zoom at you, and I just ask you, what's going on? What's happening, my friend? It's the wind-up, it's Monday. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. I was literally mid-puffing my cheeks up, just for whatever reason, <laughs> while you started the introduction, so I'm a bit taken aback. How are you doing? Have you had a nice weekend? Doing, I'm doing good. I've literally only played Halo. Usually on a Monday, we'll sort of sit down and we'll go, okay, what have we been playing? What sort of stories are interesting us? What sort of stuff do we want to talk about? I've literally not done anything other than Halo, literally. The only thing that I deviated from Halo Infinite for was to start Halo 1 again, because I thought, well, I'll do all five of them in a row, and I'll do all that, and that'll take me to Halo Infinite, and I'll go straight into that. And then I was like, five hours into Halo 1, I was like, this is insane. I'm going to go play Halo Infinite again. <laughs> so then I just went back to Halo Infinite again. So that's all I've done. Dude, this surprises nobody, because if anyone <laughs> follows you on Twitter, we, they will have seen the amount of excellent gameplay clips from <laughs> Halo Infinite that have Thank adorned you. your social media over the past week. It has made me extremely jealous, particularly the, particularly the one mm-hmm. where you um, grappled onto that little fly thing and then... Yeah, the someone thought they the could cockpit. steal my wasp, my little flying uh, jet thing, and then I immediately jumped, I immediately grappled back into it, took it back, shot them in the face. It was it was a beautiful time. <laughs> it's um Yeah, I uh, recommend Halo Infinite to as many people who can hear my voice just know that everything other than the gameplay is the thing that is very much in flux and um, that stuff should be changed in the coming weeks hopefully towards launch i thought we'd open the podcast on a very quick check-in on halo and in on battlefield 2042 considering that both these titles are kind of on fire to different degrees um, and i feel like that's something that's worth checking in on quite quickly because the overall angle for this part is just talking about the console generation and where it's going to be going and what we want to see from the future because 2022 is absolutely stacked game wise and there'll be other things happening in regards to the way the consoles roll out tweaks software firmware vr all those different things so very quickly what states battlefield 2042 and i feel like you're the only person who tells me it's good everyone else i know runs the other way I, I know, I know. And obviously, you know, as everyone knows, these are sponsored by EA at the moment in Battlefield. So obviously take that into mind, but mm. I am genuinely enjoying it. You know, I'm not I'm not being paid or anything to play the game. I'm doing that of my own volition and I have played a lot of it by now. I was mm-hmm. actually a little bit ill last week. So apologies if that comes to Just one hand out the bed sheet, still playing, still getting Yeah, it. more or less. And the only game that my brain could handle at that point was Battlefield, which is quite weird considering it's just hectic and, you know, craziness going off the chain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that thing obviously had a lot of problems at launch. It still has a lot of problems now. But an update has been released um, that has addressed at least some of those, like the core okay. structure of it. And I'm sure you'll see something similar with Halo. Like the core mm. structure of it isn't going to change overnight. If you have a problem with the specialists, if you have a problem with the flow of the maps, if you have a problem with um, the lack of team play, for instance, that's going to be a long-term fix. But 
DICE and EA have admittedly solved a lot of um, smaller term, shorter term mm. fixes. Like the gunplay is much better. Assault rifles are actually viable now. They've fixed um, an issue with the bullet spread. You know, they've made changes to the breakthrough game mode. They've, mm -hmm. they've released one update and there's another one coming in early December. So thankfully, the response has been, at least initially in this early period, um, quite quick to it. And That's they good. have fixed um not all of the issues by any means but certainly a lot of the issues and it plays even now better than it did even like a week ago so this is something that's going to be improving mm. and i imagine like halo is going to be similar because halo unlike battlefield is in the beta currently and that's going to get some updates undoubtedly well, when december the 9th rolls around i think december the 8th for halo but like still you know at least battlefield 2042 has a progression system that would be nice <laughs> one of them i'd love one of them i'd love it if my xp meant something if i shoot some men and People realized over the weekend not that it's a brand new thing but like on halo when you shoot someone it pops up and says 100 like the number 100 next to whoever you killed that doesn't mean anything because there's no xp system so why is that in there it's just a just a little number i did see that and <laughs> that actually again i haven't played halo so i'm mm. just sort of like judging it on what i think it might be and what i've seen and that did alleviate some of the anxiety that I had because you've been telling oh, really? me there's no progression. Although there is a progression system. It's but very it's tied weird. To yeah, yeah. Actions and it's very weird, and you don't get like you know. Kill five um, people experience. in the middle of a killing spree. Like exactly. What, how? <laughs> what is that? Yes. Yeah. But the plus 100 prompt that comes on the screen, admittedly, is a big placebo for me. And that probably would work to <laughs> alleviate some of my issues. But it doesn't, it's like, it tells you that, oh, that's worth 100. 100 what? Like, it doesn't, it's not <laughs> anything. And then, like, you you get the same amount of XP whether you win or lose. And it doesn't matter whether you play the game of your life or you just sit in the corner. You always get 50 XP. And each level is 1,000 XP to get up. So, like, I finished Maybe. the weeklies. Like, I'll just yes. very quickly say, I'm one of the only people who did the weekly challenges because I'm just that ill. I got the weekly challenge thing done. I got the, the super rare skin that you get if you do all the weekly challenges and all the 10 rise stuff, which is like the two tiered event thing they've got going on. Um, but that stuff resets every week. So right now, there's no reason for me to play Halo Infinite other than just playing it, which you can obviously hang on the old school Halo and be like, well, just play the game. But And that's fine. But I my time is worth more if I just wait a week for it to reset because all those other goals are going to come back in. And I'll earn yeah. more. I'll get more gear. I'll get more skins. All this random ancillary pointless tat. But I might as well have it if I'm going to put the time in. That's kind of my whole problem with it. And it's that's the way the XP system works. You might as well wait until the weekly goals come in again before you yeah. uh, play any more of it. I, I know what you mean, and I can see why that's frustrating, and I can see <clears> why that needs to change. For me, again, not playing it, not in that community at mm. this moment in time, I've kind of gone off progression systems like that because mm -hmm. back in 2007 when Modern Warfare first came out, right, Call of Duty 4, like that was all I cared about. I did not even care necessarily about the actual experience of playing. I cared oh. about getting all of the XP so I could upgrade all of my guns. So I could get mm -hmm. Red Tiger on my M4, you know, I was really <laughs> concerned. Get those tracer with... bullets. Yeah, totally. I was really concerned with that meta progression. But over the past few years, especially, I've kind of put that on the back burner a little bit and just enjoyed the actual act of playing the games inside mm. the games not having to not not having my sole motivator be this kind of meta progression system and that's why i've enjoyed stuff like um, rainbow six siege which mm. i played for like 100 hours and i don't think i unlocked one skin because the thing <laughs> there was so stingy and um, yeah rainbow six siege you know warzone kind of has a progression but it's it's take or leave like i don't mm -hmm. really care about leveling up in that game um battlefield has more of a progression but even then i'm not like invested in it as i was 10 years ago so this yep. is my question to you mm -hmm. like obviously the meta progression needs some work but 
is the joy of almost being able to forget about that and just focus on the moment to moment gameplay and not a little bit relieving that you don't feel tied down to all of these different systems because that's how i'm kind of viewing it at the moment it, it is and it isn't like i mean like that's the thing i also don't care about progression systems overall like i i've played i've had a master chief collection since 2014 and i, I haven't even bothered customizing my my dudes like i don't care at all i'm just gonna drop mm -hmm. in and play some games of halo i think it's because in this one it's a mix like they've tried to go for this mix of it's like a return to old school halo it feels a lot like halo 3 on steroids kind of thing but also we've thrown in all this other stuff um in regards to weekly challenges and cosmetics and they talked about it in the run-up it was like we're gonna have millions of different pieces that you can combine together um and so we got here and it's not that but they are selling it in the store for a ludicrous amount of money like 15 pounds right. for a belt five pounds for the color red like it's just really insane and so I, it's almost one of those things where you shouldn't care and at the absolute core I don't I've put 45 hours into Halo uh, Halo Infinite uh, or 42 or something at the minute it's definitely more than 40 uh, in the last sort of week and a half because I love the way it plays and you're getting such incremental barely anything upgrades that clearly yes gameplay is king as always but I think that because they advertised it this way and because it is part of the game like it is in the menus you have this little XP bar ticking up you're aware of the battle pass um, you know you have all these different things that should reward you alongside and they're so threadbare or they're pushing you towards the store or they're having an AI version of a bot that you can practice against having all the unlocks on it or like having a one of the AI will wear something that you can't actually equip because it's a glitch it'll just show you what something's supposed to look like and um, all those things compound to just make you go like okay this whole other side of the game is very undercooked slash broken um, and I think that stuff should just work alongside. There is just the reality of underscoring it and just going like, well, you can just play the best Halo ever made. There you go. <laughs> um, and that's fine. Um, yeah. But like I said, I think if I'm analyzing the review, the critic side of me is just sort yes. of like, well, these other parts kind of need to matter um, because you have talked them up a lot. And when you are charging so much for like, you know, the Tenrai event, it's like you can unlock a samurai skin. But if you want the helmet that's in the picture that they're advertising the event with, you have to go pay for it. And I think that that stuff is pretty seedy. I think it kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. And like the prices themselves are insane. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal game. I'd like, I love the gameplay side of it. It reminds me a bit of Rocket League where I just don't like, in Rocket League, I didn't care about any of the loot box stuff, any of the blueprint stuff. I just don't care. I'm there to play. Um, and you can do that. But I think it's valid to say like, everything else around the game is a complete mess. Like it's just, right. it's the pricing side of it, the XP side of it, the progression side of it. Just the fact, you, it wouldn't matter. Because the thing is in, in Rocket League, I'm rambling on now. The uh, In Rocket League, <laughs> if you score five goals and you're flying through the air upside down and you you know do, do some trick shots, you blow some dudes up, you play well, you get passes, receives, whatever, you'll make more XP, you'll, you'll level up faster. It's a standard XP system, as is the case in every single video game. In Halo, it just doesn't matter how good you are or how bad right. you are you still get 50 XP. And that's the thing where it's like, well, what's my time worth? My time is worth more than this. And so, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny you mentioned Rocket League, man, because I <laughs> love that game, played it to death with my friends. And um, I forgot there was any one of the first articles of... you ever wrote for whatculture.com. It was. I think yeah. it, on, on whatculture.com. I think it's still <laughs> my highest viewed did, thing. Yeah, we, we Rocket did League. tips and tricks and it did like a million or something. It, it did a lot. It's over on the website. Did something it shocked me i'll tell you that i did not expect <laughs> to do that much anyway uh the point is i forgot there was even a progression system in that game until you just mentioned it right then because i was yeah. so um concerned with like the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay but yeah like you say you know when it comes to halo especially because halo is being built as this literally infinite um platform that's mm. going to sustain you know the franchise for years and years mm -hmm. you expect there to be a bigger meta thing there to dive into when it comes to progression when it comes to giving you an excuse to log in not just right now when everyone's loving it but in a year's time or whatever mm -hmm. you know
Plus, I mean, 343 got this right eventually in the Master Chief Collection. It is day and night. Uh, if you go, I've been going back to the Master Chief Collection for the original Halo and to boost some multiplayer games of 3 and Reach. And the amount of different things you can unlock in that game, the amount of different bits and bobs that they give you um, to reward you for sequential play or for just, um, you know, saving up a premium currency and unlocking stuff. Like, that's what this should have launched with. And I just don't know if they're resetting themselves because they need to have a tail on this for the next few years or decades or literally infinite um or whatever but it just it hasn't launched with a level of confidence that it should have had considering the marketing and it's not um you know it's quite telling that that video that where they're talking about there'll be millions of pieces of cosmetics is now barely available anywhere it's all been reposts mm-hmm. of people going like remember when they said this in 343 going like what do you mean it's joseph Staten? look it's good hey. halo again I've got a, um, I've got a, got a suggestion for mm. you and the video game industry at large, which they can have for free. Right? What if video game developers, video game publishers, yes. just stop talking, just stop <laughs> saying anything, stop saying anything at all, and Until then they done. wouldn't have these issues. I was just yeah. watching the the bloody ten hour review um, action button review of Cyberpunk, and in that they bring by Tim up Rogers, the, massive shout by out. Tim Rogers. Sorry, yes, uh, and they bring up the infamous um, tweet by um, CD Projekt Red, where it's like the whole game will be a meme. It's mm. like don't set yourself ready up for ready. a fall like this. Don't try to engage in some nice viral <laughs> marketing when people are going to twist that. When obviously um, the things you say don't turn out to be true, or they mm. turn out to be true ironically. Like it would be best if if they just stay quiet and then release the game. Like, and that was it. Because it's fascinating. Like, there's so much money to be made if you can get that hype ball rolling. If you can, like, if you can peak, if you can spike that hype and then release the game at the right amount of time, you can absolutely cash in and ride that wave and etc. etc. But most of the time, it goes wrong. It's hardly ever that it goes in their favor. Um, but I am always fascinated by it. Like, how? Because you you fundamentally can't talk about what you're selling because it doesn't exist yet. So you have to talk yes. about what you're hoping to sell and talk about this version of the game that isn't real until a month before launch or two months before launch or whatever it is. And that whole process just fascinates me i did a whole video on like it was like simple fixes for the industry and it's not simple but i think you should do more making of stuff or that should be communicated more in the uh, e3 presentations i've just been like this is what we're aiming for we're going to do this 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 we're aiming for this like features might yeah. change whatever but like it should communicate a lot more that you know video games are in flux until launch day and even then they get overhauled months later anyway I think that's it. I mean, I'm completely changing this podcast to be about something else. But I mean, you know, I think a lot of the hardcore, um, you know, people who like video games, probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast mm. are very savvy about the way that um, video games are made and set their expe- expectations. But a lot of people, a lot of casual people, the vast majority of the audience doesn't know that the game that they see at E3 literally not mm. exist at that point. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. is a lot of... Um, smoke and mirrors that the industry relies on and like you said if they were just more open just be like this is how we envision the game playing or this mm-hmm. is what we expect to be in there but obviously things can change instead of making ironclad promises I think that would um, help a lot to avoid you know hyping something up too much or mm-hmm. avoiding this kind of like just these disappointments when it comes to them for me as well i think there's a there's a really good optical way to do that rollout of marketing like you can get people on side it's almost the best parts of kickstarter crowdfunding culture where it's just sort of you know we're with the developers we're with the, the art team we're seeing this thing come together like uh double fine adventure the um the tim schaefer documentary it's in like 20 parts it's all on youtube about how they made broken age um th- watching that game come together from nothing to like the the final version is an incredible process like you, you don't have to do it week to week for every single game but there's a way to do it where it's entirely honest and it it has that um that creative spirit like you know it just 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole problem with like marketing and like, which, like how, how do you even get a version of the game out the door and all the different things that can change? Because clearly something changed with Halo Infinite between the end of last year and the version that we've got now, as is evident right now by the fact that the AI can wear stuff that you can't buy or you can't yeah. unlock. Like there's all that stuff. Um, but yes, overall, um, we thought we would <laughs> do a little quick check-in on Battlefield and Halo and then uh, talk about the future of console stuff because we were going to do a, a roundup on you know thoughts on the console so far, the PS5, the Series X, uh, maybe even the Switch across 2021, uh, one year in. But we thought maybe we'll just look at the future of stuff because there's so many games coming next year. And I feel like, actually, this is a good, a good point to sort of extrapolate. I don't feel like the new consoles have um, <laughs> hit what a new console should bring to the world yet. Like, I feel like they're just... What? What is he I'm literally playing Spider-Man 2018 Remastered on my PlayStation 5. (laughs) How dare you? Yeah, but I bet you're playing it on uh, performance RT mode where it's not (laughs) actually as immaculate as it should be and ray tracing doesn't matter and quick resume breaks every multiplayer game it's in. Carry on. (laughs) You are right. I am playing it on performance RT. Though I did change it to fidelity mode last night because I wanted to see what exactly that fidelity was being brought to the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but, um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of like throw that out there because the the machines they've had a very interesting year a lot of people mm. still kind of buy them because of the stupid chip shortage that's going on <laughs> you know and which yeah, doesn't does seem suck. like it's going to stop anytime soon mm-hmm. uh, so it feels like they haven't really hit their stride yet i mean they're still selling really well they're still selling ridiculous amounts it's not like they haven't been able to sell much it's just that they haven't been able to match that demand mm-hmm. so it's kind of been this um almost false start in a way which you know i say kind of positively because mm. a full start is still being good in my opinion yeah, yeah, yeah. i still played a lot of great next gen games this year across both um the ps5 and the xbox series x but uh but yeah it almost kind of feels like we're a year on and that seems mad well i had a weird feeling where i was playing halo infinite and it was the same thing in their development where they were like oh we're gonna make it feature complete and it runs exactly the same on the xbox one from 2013 and that is a massive positive if you have an xbox one from 2013 but i was just sat there going well, I don't even need the, I don't even need the Series X. Why have I got this? Like, oh, it, it does sixty frames a second. Like, yeah, but the the, the game's the same, like for the large part. And like, I'm not. It's not <sighs> under. I do think that pretty much everything needs to be four K sixty or at least sixty these days. I've become that guy. I've, I've yeah. transitioned over into the like the sixty FPS life, and I can't go back now because whenever I play something that's in thirty, it feels horrible. I know exactly what all the PC people told me uh, it felt like <laughs> across the last few years. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I feel like we've had this weird sort of false start. So look into the future. Um, it is that sort of thing where there are tons of games scheduled for February and March, quite a lot of them still backwards compatible on the PlayStation side, um, especially. Um, but yeah, what, what do you kind of want from the rest of the generation? Like, what are you, are you waiting for something to kick in or are you kind of just happy to see how it rolls out? Um, uh, I'm happy right now, to be honest. I <clears throat> yeah. think, you know, the industry is not in a great place as evidenced by the amount of clearly unfinished games that <laughs> have released over the past couple of years. But there are a lot of titles that I'm looking forward to. There are a lot of experiences that I'm looking forward to. And I feel like, you know, the start of a generation is always a little bit slow. Mm. We and you talk off camera a lot about 2014 and how barren that was for the most part and how it felt Game like of the nothing was, PT. was kind of... Yeah, yeah. How <laughs> very little was happening. And then, but then 2015 like everything dropped we got like the yeah. Witcher 3 we got all of these great big titles and i kind of feel like next year is going to be the equivalent of that i mean like you mentioned you know you just look at february mm. you've got all of these excellent games i just hope that we get some proper innovation and there are a lot of sequels coming out next year i hope after that we see more new ip i hope we see more original ideas come out because yeah i think by and large 
apart from maybe Starfield, the mm. games we're looking forward to the most in the AAA space are your Horizon 2s, your God of War, um, well, Ragnarok's God mm-hmm. of War 2s as well, you know, stuff like that. Oh yeah, man. It's all that's the, that's the thing. We can get back to um, you know new IP and the need for it in a bit. I want to talk a bit about quality control because you sort of touched on you know broken stuff or uh, things coming out a bit lackluster. I had a weird questioning my very life on this planet thing the other week where I was like, Halo. <laughs> I was like, Halo Infinite has this stupid broken all over the place fifteen quid for a belt messy thing, and Rockstar can't even give me the original GTA trilogy without it being an absolute on fire thing. And I just yeah. sort of sat there going. It's 20 years of this, and like it's not 20 years of, of mistakes, but it's like it's almost a 10 years of it. And like mm-hmm. I think back to where I was in my life back then, how incredible GTA trilogy felt, how incredible the Halo games felt. Um, and just having that thing of like, is this just how it is now? It's just sort of, <laughs> is it always just going to come out half broken where you sort of, you get the game on launch day, maybe at midnight, and you just sort of, you go, well, I hope they fix that. Well, I hope they patch that in. Well, I can't wait until they put that in. And it's just... I hate that default mentality, that default mind, default mindset, default, whatever I said, default <laughs> mindset of just waiting for something to be remotely acceptable. Like just, that's the thing I want to ch- want to see from the future of the generation. It is new IP, it is new ideas, it is new control schemes and everything else, but just sort your quality control out, lads. Like for the love yeah. of God, like what are you doing? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
I mean, first off, I want to amend something you said. You said maybe you'll play it at midnight. That's not true. You will play it at midnight every I can't, time. I'm going to play. I can't wait to play Fighting in Tight Spaces. That's out like tomorrow night at midnight. Give, bring bring that it? on. Yeah. Carson has never Halo heard of Infinite's that Infinite's out on the night of our um, uh, Christmas due. So I'm going to be, I'm leaving. So it is. 11 o'clock, so 11 p.m. I'm, I'm going home. I've got I've to be home for, for the <laughs> Well, chief. I'm at a gig that night. So yeah. I'll come back and we could just play Halo Infinite yeah. together on the night. That's a deal. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The quality control, that was yes. that was the gimmick. Yeah, with this, <laughs> I think it just is, unfortunately, and it shouldn't be, mm. the way that the video game industry is now. Because mm. I remember in 2013, when you had a bunch of disasters, like, funnily enough, another Battlefield, Battlefield 4, which was a great game, IMO, but mm-hmm. came out absolutely on fire and the servers did not work for like six months. And then you had, obviously, uh, the likes of Assassin's Creed Unity, all of that stuff, all mm. of these big games just crumbling. And back then, me, you, every journalist in the world, every player in the world said, this can't happen again. And True. it did get a little bit better. We didn't have disasters on that scale until, funnily enough, the next generation came around mm. and we got to you know the end of 2020. Then we got Cyberpunk, and now we're getting these games this year. Yeah, And I do th- think that, you know, I agree with you that games are like this now and having the excitement for a game at launch often isn't repaired because that no. version of the game is, you know, again, this is nothing new, but it's just sort of setting into the point where it's like, this is just well, our life now. It's just always the worst version of the game. So that's that's the thing. I might do like an editorial rant to calm style thing on this because I feel like the eighth generation's lasting mark on gaming as a medium or gaming as an art form or whatever is it's the generation that made us not trust gaming. Like it was, mm. it's the you, there's a there's a default feeling now that's always there for everything that maybe something will be broken and it's always like I don't know about you but if I get like stuck in a game and um, something doesn't trigger some mission marker or a character doesn't move where they're supposed to, I immediately think, oh that's a that's a bug. I'll have to reset that. I'll have to go back to the check point i have to restart the game oh my god i'm stuck my saves knackered like whatever it is um and i just because it's the generation that introduced mistrust or a lack of trust into the product and i never had that before i was always like well clearly it's me i'm stuck i need to figure this thing out because the creatives the game itself knows better and i need to figure this thing out it's a solid product it's being sold for a price it's it's you know i need to figure it out but now every time there's anything um it's just a default feeling that that it's broken and there'll be a patch coming and whatever and i just that's the thing that i think is the, the lasting mark on like going forward that i like hate to be honest i just yeah. i hate that we don't just have functioning products because it's not like they're getting sold for any cheaper or anything like there's still a premium price tag i think you know again we've been saying this for many years now but it's <laughs> got to hit ahead at some point you know these games so? um cost so much money and they're beholden to their not necessarily their exact release dates, but their financial year and financial mm. quarters, right? That's why all of these games that have been delayed this year coming out in February and like the beginning of March, because mm. the cutoff, if I if I recall correctly, for the financial year is the end of March or the end of April. So yep. they're all trying to push it up as far to the wire as possible mm. so they can have it for like those earnings. And that kind of mentality just doesn't mesh really with the reality of video game development. We've seen that thinking crush so many different games in the past and being beholden to a date that obviously isn't feasible and mm-hmm. yet just pushing along anyway because the money needs to be made and we need to get the product out like that's crushed so many games and stifled the potential of so many different titles over the past few years you know over this generation certainly and i just I don't think we will, but I, I want to get away from that mentality. I want a game to be ready when it's ready mm-hmm. and not have to just 
put it out hot and then fix it later because so many games have tried that mm-hmm. and some of them work you know we talked about destiny i think last week destiny finally won people around and that was a, one of the games that proved that this model can work but for every destiny there's like 10 anthems that prove but that even, yeah but even even destiny took years and years and years and that's yes. like it was destiny 2 that became what destiny 1 was like supposed to be but i think like yeah it is just that thing of maybe the overall scope and scale needs to be reined in which like any developer interview will tell you that's the one thing they don't want to be told like which is fair but it's always like it's interesting because red dead redemption 2 was nigh on a perfect game and that game is humongous with a million different moving parts but it also took almost a decade to put together and obviously it's rockstar they have infinite money ostensibly to keep funneling into it um, yeah. and they have like a real solid creative core to keep going back to is this how we're supposed to do it okay we have clear goals to aim for but so many games are just so all over the place the size of them um and even like we did the news this morning on battlefield 2042 oh we mentioned battlefield so you know we mentioned battlefront, battlefront three yes. being cancelled um, and some key members of DICE had left the team. And that's also the case across on Bioware and the likes of Amy Hennig couldn't get a Star Wars game working with EA. And it's just like all these different moving parts, the scope, the size of the production, it's got to a point where it's so unwieldy and you can see it in the launch day stuff. Like I said, there's just, I have zero faith that something's going to work at launch. I'm still going to be there at midnight. I'm still going to offer up my love <laughs> as soon yeah. as possible. Cause I, for me, that's not the point I'm making. The point is that it should live up to that love. It should be available and ready to play at midnight or whatever day they say it's going to be available. That's my problem with it. Um, and I like, yeah, I mean, we talked about, obviously we've already covered quality control and stuff, but you would hope that somewhere along the line, uh, that stuff starts to meet out a bit better because you... games are going to get bigger, the project's going to get bigger. But if the yeah. quality control is more cyberpunk stuff, then it's only going to result in more hilariously tragic, broken stuff. Well, this is it. This is where a bit of optimism, I think, comes into this podcast <laughs> because cyberpunk, for as fla- flailing and failing as it was, yes. it did seem at least to wake up some um, publishers in the immediate aftermath. Like so many games this year got delayed, and yeah. that's obviously part to do with working from home and COVID regulations and all of that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the knock-on effect to that also, and the thing happening in the background, was that if we do push people in these situations, or if we push them when we're back at work full time or whatever and we push them to get the game out and it is a cyberpunk we're going to actually have a disaster on our hands that should have mm-hmm. been one of the biggest games of the generation and it sold monstrously well over the opening weekend but then it was absolutely not worth the lawsuits the controversy the being pulled from playstation store mm-hmm. that followed and i feel like you know the likes of gotham knights hogwarts legacy and um, even god of war in horizon getting delayed this year was a recognition of we don't want to be that guy yeah, and yeah. now that we've had also more of those guys this year with um the grand theft auto trilogy for instance and that e-football which is, thing as well yeah which is you know the grand theft auto trilogy is obviously rockstar is seemingly previously untouchable and hmm. um, developer who could do no wrong the fact that they've now made the same mistake has to be kind of like a wake-up call that if even rockstar a publisher that big and known for quality is getting it wrong They've got to recalibrate. They've surely well, just, got to recalibrate. It's got to be a shared mentality on behalf of so many. Whoever signs that final deal say, no, we are sticking to this release date. There's a shared attitude towards the consumer, towards the gamer that we'll put up with this stuff. Um, and it's, it is part and parcel because I'm buying something at midnight. But I think it's also because over that initial launch period, sales can still get quite high. That, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing I'm kind of lightly terrified of is accepting the fact that we just have to put up with this stuff because then you'll only get them taking more of a lend, elongating, whatever 
a what even is a release day anymore? Like it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it just means this is the point you can have your early access point, and we'll change yeah. it over time. Um, but yeah, I think the more that we are okay with that stuff, or the less we like flag it or continue to flag it, um, the the more they'll try and get away with. Because it's like, okay, what's the earliest point in this schedule that we can flick the switch and start making money from this? And can you patch that next week? Can you patch that next month? Okay, cool. Hmm. And it's just like, I mean, that's happening right now with Halo. Like it, it arrived a month early with ludicrous microtransactions um, to get in on the Halo hype. Like they can do the 20th anniversary thing a month, a month earlier. It was just, yeah, I see that stuff across the board and I it annoys me because I'm just like, can you not just take the time and just make something that is respecting of a consumer? Like, yeah. we have so much yeah. love to give, Josh Brown. Dude, I fully agree. And like I said, I, I can only hope that with all of these games getting delayed, that they finally started to realize that. And hopefully we won't have anything that's happened over the past two years happen next year. I will probably eat those words come January, <laughs> probably most like. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm hopeful. Have to hope. Yeah, yeah totally the amount of stuff that's um, pegged in for February and March, there's a lot of top tier stuff that has been given extra months in development. Um, a lot of it from trusted teams. So you would hope that they've made the most of it and it does come together as strongly as possible. Yeah. Um, we should pivot into or end on um, the potential need for new IP. Where's your? What are your general thoughts on that stuff? Because when you were saying before about the amount of stuff we're looking forward to, it's all bankable IP. I feel like this is a wider problem across entertainment overall. Um, yeah. There's all the, the various conversations happening across Hollywood, across video games, across, I mean, even uh Free Guy, uh, Ryan Reynolds' Free Guy is literally the villain in that, is literally the epitome of this. He just wants to do the same thing over and over again. And uh, and the, the heroes have to bandy against the, the corporate man who won't let them do a new idea. So, like, it's <laughs> everywhere now. And I feel like that's the thing where, like, yeah, I'm, like, crying out for new IP. But obviously there is just the reality that bankable stuff will continue to make bank. True. I mean, I mean, yeah, this is a obviously a huge conversation. I think it goes back. My worry goes back to the report. I think it was in Bloomberg when um, I think it was Jason Schreier. I should have done more research before jumping on this podcast. It's probably him. Who else is going to be? Jeff Grubb. Probably. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> uh, but no, you know, the, the report that was saying, you know, how Sony were greenlighting things now and they were only, you mm. know, looking at the most bankable franchises. It's why Days Gone 2 wasn't greenlit because even that, which, you know, sold really well, the original sold really well, um, wasn't seen as a viable thing. And that mm. scares me. The fact that we're pigeonholing these giant blockbusters into these very specific boxes and that's all we're going to get. And I want to clarify that I love sequels as much as the next person. Like I said, <laughs> I've literally just been playing, you know, Battlefield all week. I've been mm. playing Spider man and spider-man miles morales i like these games from these big franchises but when i look at the um february games you know i see things like horizon and god of war especially stick out to me god of war and horizon are some of my favorite games of the last generation god of war especially and i understand that the hype for ragnarok is another level but i look at that game i look at the trailer and i'm like that looks like an awesome video game Mm. but also i i I know exactly what that's gonna be yeah yeah i feel like i know exactly what it's gonna be and that's not like a knock on the game it's not saying that that makes the game bad or anything i'm just looking at my own um personal excitement for titles and mm. i don't get excited for that in the same way that i get intrigued by starfield which you know obviously might not be anywhere near as good might be way more buggy but if i'm if i'm investing in both of those games right now i feel like i already have god of war locked in i mm. feel like like you said i feel like i know what it is i feel like that's really good and i love it when it's out but I like the mystery well, of new IP. I like the surprise of new IP. I like knowing that it might be the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. It's why, mm-hmm. and sorry for rambling, it's nope. why I think Death Stranding 
took the internet by storm before it came out because that was the new IP from Hideo Kojima. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew what that game was going to be. Even for as hyped as Metal Gear was and for as big as all of those launches were, you knew it was going to be a Metal Gear game. Obviously, there were going to be twists in the format, but you knew the characters. You knew vaguely how it was going to play. Mm -hmm. Death Stranding could have been anything. And as a result, (laughs) everyone projected what they wanted it to be onto those trailers. And that was some of the most exciting times ever to be a video game fan was following the release of that game following each trailer being drip fed all of that information and i just feel like again it doesn't make these other games bad but you don't get that experience necessarily from the likes of a god of war 2 or a horizon forbidden west because mm-hmm. you you more understand what they are no but this i, I want i want a nice balance yeah this is something that we can flesh out in like a future one as well because like that absolutely i think that like some people like me and you we chase new stuff like there's obviously a, a place for bankable stuff there's a place for familiar but at the same time it's gonna get stale it's gonna get boring it's gonna get in my case quite sad over time if it's literally just the same stuff over and over again and you need something new what like you said one of the most joyous things that we've had shared doing this job um was everything with death stranding they like the the run-up to it the release of it the first day that it came out when we did the news in the morning and we talked about what the hell even is this game <laughs> and then the following months when we discovered it over time and it was a discovery it wasn't just like you know it was like oh my god have you found this have you talked to this character have you unlocked this oh my god this actually lets you do this 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 new ability and it's all those things that i feel like are missing when it's a, a sequel like you said we know exactly how god of war is going to play for the most part they might have some new abilities to it but the core of it's going to be largely the same whereas there's not been that many times when i recently when i've seen a trailer for something with a decent budget where i've gone like oh my god i can't wait to play that the things that have given me that response have been uh, Sifu, uh, Midnight Fight Express, fights in tight spaces. Um, like then they're all largely indie games. Like they're sort of indies with a bit of a uh, a little bit of a budget to them, especially something like Sifu. But they are game mechanics that I haven't seen before. Um, like something like Absolver, uh, which is the slow claps last game. The guys that are doing Sifu has a really cool melee system in it, where you you make your three hit combo based on uh, adding any three animations together, um, and it, it puts you in a different stance. And then if you get hit by someone, you learn the move based on how many times you can defend it it's just a really cool thing and i think they'll carry that into sifu and obviously that's games with a lot more spotlight on it but that's a whole set of game mechanics that aren't in anything else and no one else has thought of it the reason that i love something like monimals so much is because you are fishing for music notes and then making songs with the notes you find like who even would have thought of that like that's so cool and so that would be another thing to tag on at what do we want from the future of the generation i want something that takes full advantage of these new systems hardware wise to give me some software that i've not seen before and i haven't yeah. seen that yet um like i part bits and pieces in the indie space but like it's telling that something like monomals was also on the apple arcade so it's not like there's something that you know it's only being done on ps5 or series x and taking advantage of all that hardware that's another thing that i really want to see I mean, look, I agree, I agree with everything you just said. I agree with everything models. I previously said before yes. you started talking. But at the same time, Scott Tilford, I'm really looking forward to the Dead Space remake. So no! does that make me no! a bad hypocrite? I don't know. What I'm trying to explain with that weird um, segue there yes. is that I think there's obviously space for both. Like, I'm going to be all over God of War Ragnarok when that thing's come out. We're going to have such excited conversations. <laughs> but I don't want a full um, diet of God of War Ragnarok. I do no. want these new IPs because if you look over like the past generation with Sony in particular, why they won the generation, if we're you know using those terms, mm-hmm. um, is because of new IP. People got yes. so excited for um, Ghost of Tsushima. People got so excited for Horizon Zero Dawn. 
people got so excited for Spider-Man, for instance, mm-hmm. coming back, or God of War being rebooted. Even if it's something like that, something being changed in a substantial something way, new. I think people are really here for. Yeah, even if it's just a new take on something old, like I'm here for that. And I'm excited to see what these gaming consoles um, can do with someone's raw imagination and i hope we don't get away from that over the next seven years or whatever. no i think years. if we get to this point next year and it's still like well that sequel was good that continuation was good then something's a little bit amiss uh, i think that we need something else to come out of nowhere i mean you've still got things on the horizon like, obviously there are the likes of elden ring there's a vowed uh, that's coming out avowed looks a lot like skyrim but i hope that mm-hmm. with obsidian in the gear uh what the hell's that phrase in the on the gear stick you know when they're in the in the driving I, seat i was thinking it, yes. they were Moving the, the gear gears, stick. but yeah, they, they start sitting on the gear stick as long as they're driving the car in some capacity. <laughs> that's what I want to see. But yeah, um, going forward, I think we're just waiting to be thoroughly wowed a bit more than we are, and it's understandable. Um, the way the years rolled out, obviously, the the last almost two years now, uh, we've all gone through everything we've gone through. But hopefully, across next year, things can open up a bit more and and bring the wow factor in a way that they haven't been able to across twenty twenty one. Um, we'll take this moment to mention a sponsor, a lovely little sponsor that we've got called Bulldog Skincare. Somewhere else in this uh, podcast will be another proper advert from Bulldog Skincare. I was supposed to mention them at some point in a variety of podcasts. Now, me and Jules did it last Friday. I'm, I'm just reminding you that you've got skin and they do lovely little skincare products. So get yourself over there. That is lovely that. I, yeah. I was doing a bit of adding up while you were doing that um, <laughs> advert, if you if you don't mind me saying, no, Scott. I've I just not. done a Carry quick... On. I've done, I've done a quick um, um, summary of all of the games on the 2022 release schedule Ooh. on wikipedia.com. Okay. And out of the 12 big AAA releases that I've counted there. Only a single one is an UIP. So I Sweet think Lord. That is that perhaps, is that one Elden Ring? That one is um oh sorry, there are two. There are okay. Elden Ring and there are the Starfield right at the very end as well. There are two. Ah, okay, there are two. Okay. I will give you Starfield. Elden Ring is Dark Souls 4. I'm just I'm putting is, that but, out there. But I don't mind that. I don't <laughs> mind that whatsoever. Elden Ring looks really good. I don't I mind that. It's a it. it's a big old debate. I'm sure we'll have a whole bunch more conversations across next year as all these different things roll out. And we've got plenty more podcasts to come before 2021 is done as well. For now, this has been the wind up. I've been Scott Taylorford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. Remember, you've got skin, and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. I'm gonna shave it off. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.